Welcome to our Transgender School podcast. We're here to talk about diverse transgender identities and experiences so that we can all be better allies and advocates. We'll also discuss current events, welcome guests, and share actions you can take to support trans people. I'm Bridget, and my daughter Jackie came out as a transgender woman about four years ago when she was 19 years old. I was totally unprepared, but I have learned a lot since then. And now Jackie and I are passionate about sharing what we've learned. When I came to terms with being trans, I realized that I absolutely needed to transition, but coming out was very stressful. Now that a few years have passed, things have gotten somewhat easier, and I want to help other trans people navigate their own unique experiences. Welcome back to the Transgender School podcast, everybody. We are so excited for the conversation that we are going to have with our guests today. So get ready. We're going to be learning a lot. So today we have with us, well, let's say hi first, Jackie. Hello, Jackie. You and I haven't seen each other in a while. Good to see you. How are you doing today, Jackie? (laughs) I am good. I have been off work for a week, which has been a nice change of pace and looking forward to today's conversation. Jackie, I think I can sense your calmer energy that you've been off work for a week. I like it. <laughs> I'm not sufficiently bothered when the technology's not working. I know. So we had not, all these it's not getting to me. <laughs> right. We had all these tech problems, but you're still pretty chill, which is great. So Alicia, our bio, we are so, so honored and grateful to have you as our guest today. Alicia, I'll just introduce briefly and then turn it over to you to share about yourself is an educator, has been an educator for 36 years and getting ready to retire. Congratulations. We're so happy for you. A long career of, I'm sure, influencing and supporting and helping and changing many, many young lives. You have been a counselor. You have been a teacher. You have supported LGBTQ students. You recently came out and transitioned yourself. So I can only imagine what a role model you have been for young people uh, to see you go through that experience at school while working at the school. So I'll just leave it there and turn it over to you and ask, did I leave anything out in my introduction? And tell us more about you, please. Well, in terms of my transition, I just came out recently, and that has been quite an experience itself. But Going back, you know, in terms of my life experience and the whole thought process of being transgender, I mean, at a very young age, I knew I was different. I mean, at six, nine years old, I was kind of making my way into my parents' bedroom, trying on mom's clothes, things like that. I mean, there was a sense that I was different, but all that was really done secretively. And I think that kind of is the operative word in terms of how out everybody was at that time. We're talking mid-60s, late 60s. So there weren't any role models like there are today. There, There wasn't social media. I had nothing in terms of anything to look at in terms of, okay, that person I relate to. So a lot of shame, everything was in secret. And 
I think about that time, I really started having a lot of dreams and fantasies of somebody visiting me and changing me into a girl. You know, that was kind of like, I wanted to be that. I didn't know how that could happen. And that's kind of like the mindset that I was into. So 1970, and I'm sitting in my living room and on the TV, we're all sitting as a family, we're watching TV and on comes a commercial for the Christine Jorgensen story. If you know anything about Christine Jorgensen, she was one of the early trans, this is, we're talking early fifties. She went to Europe, had a lot of medical work done, came back to the United States and instantly became a celebrity. And so they made a movie about her. And when I saw that, I was, it was just like opened my eyes. That's me. I'm the oldest of five in a Latino family, which was very, very machismo, you know, and my mother's sister, she had two sisters, my father's sister, we had tons of boys. So being the oldest in this family, you know, there wasn't, first of all, there was no mentor for me in terms of something that I could hold on to. I didn't know anybody in who could be classified as LGBTQIA plus in my family. I was just kind of a walking a walking shame bomb, as I call it. It was just like, I'm weird. And I'm certainly not going to say anything about this. So then when that commercial came on and I, I identified right away, it was kind of like that got buried. And I was one of those kids. You just did everything mom and dad said. That was it. And so if I felt a certain way, I certainly wasn't going to be the kid who, like, I want to wear a dress. There was just no doing that for me. That was just kind of like an unspoken rule. I wasn't going to go there. And so that was kind of like the formula that I followed for years and years and years and years. Again, I'm always really feeling different. Very, uh, I'm not even really sure quite what it is. Again, because I mean, I don't, there wasn't even a word for transgender back then. So I grow up, I go to college, I studied music. I'm a guitarist. I've been playing since the age of four guitar. And I went to school to really study music and got into psychology. And I think that's kind of where my, my world opened up. My sophomore year, I had a gay roommate and there were a lot of issues and all, all of a sudden I started having fantasies about being with him. And I didn't really understand that. It was really, again, difficult to talk about, a lot of shame. But the reality for me is I started to realize that there were some differences about me that I was really struggling with. That, again, I had two uncles on my mother's side. They were cousins of my mother. And both of them were gay. One of them was married. Both of them died of AIDS. 
But while they were living and the family was huge and we'd all get together and have these big family outings, everyone knew they were gay, but did they ever bring a lover around or did you ever experience the fact that they were gay and, oh, he's with him. And there's a discussion there. There was none of that. And so it was kind of like, we know who they are. We don't really talk about them. And that's kind of like the way the family was. I went to college, met a girl that I, I fell in love with, got married. And as soon as I got married, I knew, okay, something is not quite right here. And I, I don't know what it is. I was attracted to her. I was in love with her. But for me, there was a lot of depression and angst. And I was really struggling to figure what was going on with me. A couple of years into the marriage, I started acting out some of that depression, some of that confusion. And I'd go to bathhouses, act out with guys, things like that. And again, it was like there was nothing that I was going to say to anyone. But my wife came home and told me, hey, we're going to have a baby. And at that time, it was kind of like, wait, what is going on with me? I'm just like all over the place. I can't figure out who I am. I started going to therapy. And I think the first thing that happened is we started kind of opening up some of these things that I had buried. And I think this is kind of where my journey, you know, when I look at the start of this process, it's really very, very difficult. You know, it's, I'm so happy and so grateful where I am right now, but boy, did I take a lot of interesting turns. So I started therapy at probably the age of 26, 27, 28, right around there. The therapist happened to be Christian. It was the first time in therapy. I, I wasn't picking and choosing. This woman seemed really nice. She was from Columbia University. I thought really well educated. And one of the first meetings that we had, I started sharing that I love my wife, but I'm attracted to men. But I also have this other thing that's going on with me. I feel feminine a lot of the time. And I, you know, I, I just don't know how to deal with that. And she said, you know, it sounds like you might have some demon inside you. And so I want to save the marriage. There's a lot of shame that I'm dealing with. I, it's kind of like, okay, whatever you need me to do, I'm going, I'm, I'll do that. I went to this prayer meeting. They prayed over me, pray out the gay. So, and I got real emotional. I thought, okay, hi, that's gone, yay. And a week later, I'm back in the same place. And so, again, those kind of things were like detours where I was really struggling to find answers and just got on these detours where people would say, look, this is what's going on. And I went to, I got into a sexual sex addicts anonymous group and started going there. I thought, okay, that 
that's probably what it is. These perverted thoughts, I'll deal with them and kind and and I did that for a number of years, kind of gritting my teeth, but my marriage was intact. And we not only had a son, we had another son, and then we had a daughter who are the joys of my life. But all that time, I was really, really struggling. I went through a number of therapists, really trying to find answers. And I went to this one therapist. And I don't know, we started doing some deep work. She said, you know, it seems like you're kind of stuck. And so we started doing some kind of deep hypnotic work. And getting into that, I started coming to terms with some of the feelings that were going on, started to kind of bring some of those to the light. And that was the first time that it was like, okay, I think... I'm a woman and I've been feeling this way for a long, long time. I don't really know what to do about it. At that time, Marie Keller was starting the LA Gender Center with a group of trans therapists. She was cisgender, but her whole focus was on dealing with trans women, trans men. And so I started going to her. And we went through this whole process. Do you think you're gay? Well, you know, every time I, I think I'm gay, it, I might be, but I always see myself as a woman in this relationship. There is like, so went through about a year of therapy with her. And I decided at that time, this was about 25 years ago, I decided to to transition. I'm out. I told my wife, I told my family, the whole family goes berserk. And I have three young kids. It's not a good time, probably the worst time. And so everybody's freaking out. Nobody's talking to me. My wife is like, look, I'm not gay. I can't deal with this. So I moved out and That was really traumatic. There was little support. I mean, today I can go to my family doctor who will refer me to my endocrinologist in my, in my family practice or the the family practice. Everything's out in the open. I go to the doctor's office. Everybody's referring to me as Alicia. You know, it's a whole different world. Back then, everything was out of pocket. The endocrinologist that I found was this guy that I researched online. You sit down with him. He interviews you for 20 minutes. I can make you look like this. And of course, you know, like all of the trans people at that time were like, just give me hormones, whatever you can do. You know, I mean, it was just so no blood tests, no blood work, nothing. Gives me a shot. Come back and see me in two months. So I had no idea how many hormones. I was really kind of naive about, and I know he said exactly what I was taking, but today I can't even remember exactly what type of female hormone I was on. And I don't think I was on um, Spiro at that time. It was some other testosterone blocker. 
But anyway, about maybe two and a half months in, everything was so traumatic. I started having panic attacks. And it was the first time in my life that I was just like, I'm going to kill myself. This is just like, I can't deal with this. And so I called him up. I said, look, I, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm just like a wreck. And he said, well, do this, do that. I went off the hormones, moved back into the house. I think I was really, really happy. There was a, a serenity. People were talking to me. They were happy that I was back. I was like, okay, I'm closing the book on this. I am never revisiting this again. It was so traumatic. I'm not going to deal with this. And of course, another detour where for me, it was kind of like, okay, I'll, I'll deny everything about what was going on for me. I was really, really happy in that whole first process, but there was no way that I could really gain any acceptance with so much non-support. There was very little, you know, so I felt like an island and, and it was really difficult. My wife was really struggling. We were at each other's throats all the time and the kids were really struggling. My boys, two boys were really struggling. So moved back home and I was really grateful that I did because I got a chance to be with the kids, raise them. We seem to be a family that was thriving. She's an RN. I was a teacher. We had both. We were pretty good at our jobs. Uh, people had a lot of respect for both her and I. So there was this feeling the kids were doing really well. It seemed like everything was okay. But I was still, I would have these periodic bouts where I would just, what's going on with me? I'd get into these real dark, depressive states and the family would be like, what's going on? What's happening? And so kids grow up right before my daughter's graduating from high school. I was really struggling with a lot of the same sex attraction type things and and so I went back into therapy. I had kind of quit for a little bit, went back into therapy. And at that time, I told my therapist, I, you know, I think I'm gay. I'm attracted to men. I did, wasn't really talking about the other stuff very much. And she said, well, you know, let's explore that. I started to explore it. And it was, I mean, it was pretty evident that that was a, a real big portion of my life that I was kind of bearing. So my wife and I separated. I came out, told my family, I'm gay. So we're moving into this avenue. As I look back on it now, it was like an easy way to compartmentalize everything for me. And my family didn't have that stigma of, you're a woman. We can't have you around. You're kind of an embarrassment. We don't da-da-da-da-da. So it was kind of like, oh, gay. Okay, we can deal with that. So while my kids were really struggling with the issue and my wife was really having a hard time, my immediate, my extended family, my brothers and sister, my mom, they were like, okay, we can deal with this. You're gay. Cool. I met this guy. 
kind of started a relationship with this guy. And in the process of that relationship, it was evident that in this gay world, everybody wanted to see me as masculine. And I wanted no part of that. And so we'd get into these conversations like, who are you? What's going on with you? The guy that I was seeing. And we started to talk about some of my past history. And he was like, you know, why don't you explore some of that? I mean, you know, I'm not going to hate on you if that's where you need to go. And so that's kind of what I did. I started like purchasing shoes and women's clothes and Every time I did that, it was kind of like, oh, something's coming for me. And, it, you know, it's just this kind of wonderful feeling like I, I was opening this package. And, and then COVID hit. And during the summer, we're kind of laid out. I called this makeup artist and I said, look, I'm, I would really like to take makeup lessons. And she said, oh, well come on over, let's discuss this. And so I went over and I started seeing her like every three weeks or so. And that was like really the beginning for me. She said, you know, every time you walk in here, you look like really depressed. But every time you walk out, it's like this whole different person, like you're alive. And that's kind of how I felt. and. She was really the, the first to kind of give me an inkling, like, this is really, really important to me. And I'm old. What am I going to do? I, I can't possibly think of transitioning. And so after a few months, I did some research and I joined this little online chat group. It was called Transgender Heaven. And in this little online group, what I was finding is that a lot of these trans women were older and they were talking about their experiences, much older than I was. So I was like, wait, these women aren't doing it. Why can't I? So I started doing a little research on my medical insurance. And I found out that my medical insurance was one of the top health groups in terms of dealing with trans health. And so I called my family doctor and I'm like, hey, doctor, look, here's my story. And she listened to me for about two minutes and she goes, wait a minute, you feel like a woman? And I said, yeah, that's kind of like what's been going on with me for years. She said, oh, okay, well, let's start working on this. Let's work out a plan. And so we did. She assigned me to an endocrinologist who works with a lot of trans patients. And the next thing I knew, I was starting to transition. I can't tell you how happy I've been. And it's been quite a ride from the time that I started. I started March 26th to actually medically transition. The first group that I informed, I had joined this church, Hollywood United Methodist, and I was part of the choir. And I'd been part of the choir for the last six years. 
wonderful, inclusive, accepting, affirming church with, and it's why I, on Instagram, always post stuff from that particular choir, because that church is so dear to me. Those people have been kind of a lifeline. So they were the first first group that I, I came out to, and they were like, we love you, whoever you are. You are welcome. And so that was the first time that anybody ever said, we love you. It's okay to be who you are. And from that point, it was just like I took the ball and I just kind of went with it. Started the transition. I came out to my family. They've been really having a hard time, especially my mom. No surprise. But they knew my history. They knew exactly what I went through. I kept 25 years ago, they were so upset. They said, look, you know, you're crazy. We are setting you up with a group of psychiatrists and we want you to get tested. And that's what I did. I think I went to five different psychiatrists. They took all different kinds of tests. Da, 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 da. And one after the other. And the only thing it came back with is that, you know, I probably had some type of gender dysphoria. And if I wasn't allowed to pursue what I needed to do for my own health, it was going to be very, very difficult. And I kept that and referred to that every once in a while. I'd bring it out. I'd read through it just to kind of affirm the fact that I wasn't insane and I wasn't crazy. And so I think that was, again, another strange twist. But for me, going through all those real difficult times have really given me a great sense of joy and a feeling of I don't care how old I am. I don't care what day it is today. I am just so grateful for the opportunity. There are people in my corner. I have a wonderful group of friends. You know, I'm going to be going out later tonight with a trans girlfriend who is kind of like my best friend. I have a lot of wonderful cis women friends and they're I can't tell you how supportive I have this one woman at work. I came out at work every few weeks. She brings in a collection of clothes. She's like, Hey, I love this dress. I want to give this to you. Try it. You know, it's, I just feel like I am just so grateful. And that's not even touching on the surface of what it's been coming out at work and dealing with the kids that I deal with on a regular basis and how they've adopted and how I've adopted and adapted to their like, okay, what's going on here? It's been wonderful though. There have been nothing in my mind, but positives for me. And I'm, I'm kind of like on the ride of my life. I just feel like, you know, whatever happens after this, I'm good. I'm good to go. 
Thank you so much for sharing that story. And for our listeners, could you tell them what specifically it is that you do? I know you work in education and, and how long um, you've been in your role. Uh, so I've been in education for about 36 years. I started off as a teacher. And after about 15 years, I went back and got my master's in counseling. And right around that time, uh, the state passed this thing, AB 1802, to hire more counselors. I got hired as a counselor right away. And so for the last 12 years, I've been working as a counselor. So that's kind of been my main role. I still teach quite a bit. I work with a lot of the at-risk students. I was a math teacher. And so I work with a lot of the students who are struggling in math and I teach them. But my primary role is counseling and I love it. So Alicia, I want to say thank you for really taking the time to share your story. And it was incredibly moving and informative for me. You know, Jackie came out at 19 and I think that that it's a different world, as you described, for us to really hear in depth and your willingness to share all those steps on your journey, although, of course, there's a lot more to it, but to at least take the time with us to give us such a gift of understanding what it's like. And it reminds me of how many people say, oh, well, why are all these young people coming out as trans now? And I hope that your story answers that question. It's not that there are more trans people now. It's that it was it was not possible. The hostility of the world, although the world is incredibly hostile to trans people now, as we know, the level of hostility in the times that you're, you shared with us was not bearable. Was, you know, you said it was extremely traumatic, even though you felt the euphoria of starting that process because you knew deep inside that that's what you needed 25 years ago. The world that you lived in was just going to make it impossible. You would have had to give up everybody you loved and everyone in your life. And I want people to really let that sink in. You know, and it really hits me. It just really, really hits me. And I think like if you, if that Alicia, you know, as a young person lived in the world of today, it would have all been very different for you, you know, but I also see the beauty in your take on it now. And I, and I'm so happy for you that you're able to see it that way, that you're just in joy now. You feel the joy now of finally being able to be yourself and to get the support, the medical support, the social support that should have always been there. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's easy. Well, okay. It's not easy. Certainly I've had my moments where it's just like, doggone it. This was horrible. And, but to spend the energy on that, I just don't want to go there. I don't need to, Yeah, you know, I'm relishing and really grateful for everything that's going on in my life, including something like this, the opportunity to talk to both of you and share my story and talk about the things that are going on in education, good and bad, Mm -hmm. with the trans Mm -hmm. community. Mm -hmm. Those are, yeah, I'm, I'm just really, really grateful. I mean, yeah, uh, I can't say enough. 
Well, I'm going to say at this point and let people know who are listening, we're going to be doing a part two with Alicia because she has so much to share and it's so very, very important. And we've had many of our followers and listeners ask us, write to us and and reach out to us and say, we, we really need to learn about what's happening in schools and we really need to understand what's happening with administrators and teachers and staff and supporters at school. And they don't, especially parents of transgender kids saying they're not feeling like they are getting the level of support that they feel their kids need in the school. So we're going to have a whole separate conversation with you, Alicia, and we appreciate that you're going to take the time to do that. And we're going to make that a second and another episode because we wanted to spend a whole episode on you sharing your story, which is just honestly just left me just really reflective and just really the contrast of what we see today in all the circles we're in and getting ready for Pride Month. This is actually, this episode will be coming out Pride Month. And, you know, that's a time where like, you know, everybody that everybody knows is like in some way saying they're celebrating pride, right? And it's this entirely different world than what you described. So what you taught us and shared with us is so important. Can I ask you, I think you said you are in your 60s. Is that right? I am. Yes. So, and you tra- you started your transition in your 60s or? I started my medical transition at 62. 62. Thank you for sharing that because I just... I have had several trans women reach out to me privately who have not told a soul. They know, and they go to lovely people like the woman that you described to help them with makeup and where they can wear dresses and what they, they have gender euphoria from being able to be their true selves, but it has, they're still in secret. And I, I know that some of them will be listening. So I want, people to feel that it's never too late. It doesn't never, ever, ever. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I certainly went through those self-doubts, but it's never too late. And I think the first, I remember the first meeting with my endocrinologist that I'm seeing now, you know, I said, look, doctor, I I don't, I'm so old. And she said, stop. (laughs) Don't, Spend another minute with that. You're not too old. You know, if this yeah. who you are, this is what we're going to go through. And this is what I'm going to help you with. And so I was just like, oh, okay. All right. So, yeah, it's certainly, and, you know, the girlfriend that I, I'm going out with later, she started at 60. So both of us are, you know, kind of these Older trans women, we've been through it. We had a, a very storied history. And I love talking with her because she gets it. She knows everything I'm going through. Older trans women, people know have known you for years in this other body, whether it's mm-hmm. male or female. So when you are transitioning, that is like a shock system that you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. it's always difficult no matter what age you are. But when you're coming out at 45, 55, 65, you know, people know you a certain way. I see the energy at my school. My name's officially changed. I'm Alicia Arbio at school, but 
And I know people are trying. They're really working hard, but it's like they'll dead name, dead name me and then be like, oh, I am just so sorry, please. And so it's that way. I understand the energy that it takes for a group of like 150 people to make that whole idea change. So it can be difficult for us older trans people as we transition, but the rewards are there. And I am just so grateful. And there's so many resources. I belong to a group trans lounge out of the LGBTQ Center in Hollywood. It's a wonderful, wonderful group, trans men, trans women, that offer a lot of resources and help from working on your voice, makeup, medical transition, finding doctors. So those kind of things just weren't available 25 years ago. But today, I'm just so grateful that we have this community that, I mean, a lot of people will say, God, there's so many things that we need to improve on in the trans community. Yes, we do. Absolutely. There's no question that things can be really, really difficult. And there's still a lot of work to be done. But from where we were, wow, there's a lot of gratitude for some of those people who have paved the way for us so that it is not as difficult. So, Thank you. I, I think it's really important to highlight that gratitude because I, I know there are so many trans people who are my age and younger who really, we might, under, we might understand intellectually that it used to be harder and we might understand that these resources didn't always used to be there. But I think really hearing the stories of people who've lived through that and people who've lived through trying to transition in a time and a place where it was not so easy to do so and where it was not so accessible is really, really important. And we need to not take that for granted. And we need to make sure that we're fighting for everyone to have that same access, both in this country and around the world. I hear you. I hear you. So... Yes, I agree, Jackie. And it, to me, it's just, I'm, it's just kind of mind blowing to sit here and, and look at both of you and think there's 43 years between the age that each of you transitioned, you know, and, but it's astounding to see how beautiful it is for both of you that you did, that you were able to at the time that you were able to, because even though Jackie was 19, her, inner feelings, the way that she's explained them to me now sound very similar to yours, right? I mean, would you say, Jackie, that knowing and that not being sure, but then sort of realizing over time and coming to terms with it, you know, the inner experience feels very similar, even though there were 43 years in between your life stages where you were able to feel safe enough, that little bit of safe enough in the world to say, okay, now it's time I'm going to be who I really am. Yeah. I, I had a therapist who had a good way of describing it. It was like there was some speaker or radio with a little bit of static going in the background and someone just really gradually kind of turns up the dial. So it's the mm. same static. It's just getting louder and louder and louder in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And Jackie, I think I've even, if I remember correctly, I think I've even heard you say that like, if you, if certain influences or you hadn't had certain experiences, you could have, or it weren't, you know, as the world didn't change as much as it did, even though 
you know, five years ago, it wasn't great still. You might have been on a trajectory to get married, to like live your life, continue living a lie and, you know, and not really having figured it out. So you could kind of see a path like that too, even though it's ultimately you didn't, you ultimately did have the ability to speak up for your true experience. Yeah, no, every day that you're not being honest with yourself and not being honest with the people around you, it's like that much harder to to do it the next day. Right. Well, I think we're going to kind of wrap this first episode with Alicia and we're going to really tap into Alicia's expertise as an educator, as an LGBTQ advocate in our school system, as a teacher and a counselor and someone who works with the GSA, the Gay Straight Student Alliance. We're going to have some really important questions for you about that, about what's happening in school. How can we advocate for the kids? How can we help educate teachers? And so please, everybody, tune in for that upcoming episode. We're going to be recording it right now, but we're going to be releasing it as the next uh, episode because we want, we really want to give the full attention to Alicia's story, the power of her story, how different it is from all the stories that we've told. We have not told this story at all or invited anyone to tell this story. It's all been about, right, we had the mom of a, you know, someone who came out when he was five and was on TV as a trans boy at 10. And we've had so many conversations and and it occurred to me, you know, wow, we haven't heard a story like yours, Alicia, but I have to say, I've heard, I have heard this story from people privately, so many. So if anybody's out there listening, thinking this is a unique story, you know, Alicia and Jackie, and I know not at all. And in fact, there are many, many people living in secret. Many have reached out to me who are married with kids and in their 50s and 60s and beyond, and nobody knows. So Alicia speaks for so many who are transitioning at a very different stage of life than Jackie and also speaks for so many who are living in secret and have not figured out a way yet to speak those words and to make that step. So we honor those people today with this episode and everyone listening, taking the time and care to listen, to learn and understand this experience for trans people, trans men and trans women and non-binary folks who are coming out and transitioning 60 and beyond. And as you said, 30, 40, 50, 60, you know, wherever it is, it's not 19 like it was for Jackie. And we need to understand all of those experiences. So I just want to say thank you, Alicia. Thank you, Jackie, for joining us in this conversation. I think we're going to get a lot of powerful feedback on it. We'd love to hear from you all. People do, you know, write in and share with me their reactions and what they've learned. So we look forward to hearing that from you. And you will be hearing more from Alicia and us in the next episode. So thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to our Transgender School podcast. We hope you learned something new and that you're inspired to learn more. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And please be sure to check out our website, transgenderschool.org. You'll find many valuable resources there, including news about upcoming courses we'll be teaching. Make sure to join us for future podcast episodes. We'll catch you on the first Tuesday of every month. 